Okay, we're going to ask the kids just to just be seated just a moment. Pastor Jason, if you will, I want you to help me. Didn't they do a good job, everybody? Okay. Let me get They're going to pass out. They're going to give all of you guys. Hey, guys, look here. Shh, right here. They're going to give each one of you right now a candy cane, all right? But don't open it up yet, okay? Don't open it up yet. This is something that we've had for many years. He's going to give you one right here, sissy, coming right now. And whatever, there is a story behind the candy cane. How many of you do realize that? So there is a story behind it, and I want to share with the kids today about the story of the candy cane. So many of you know that everybody hold your candy cane up. All you boys and girls hold your candy cane up. What does that look like to you? Does it look like a shepherd's staff? Yeah, that's exactly what that is. That's a shepherd's staff, and that's what it looks like. If you want to, you can pass some out to the congregation members if you guys want a candy cane also. So hold that up like this. This is a shepherd's staff. That's good. I've got some people on video watching us today. That's a shepherd's staff. Okay, now turn it this way. Turn it this way. What does that look to, like to you? A hook? What else does it look like to you? Does it what? What is it? The letter J. Say the letter J. The letter J. The fishing hook, but it's also the letter J. And how many of you know Jesus in, in English begins with a J? So that is, if we'll take a look at that just a moment, hold that up so everybody can see it just like the letter J. That means that, that J is for Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. So the J is for Jesus. Very good. Now, this candy cane, when it was originally made, they put the white and the red together. The red, which swirls the candy cane, actually stands for the blood of Jesus Christ. All right? That's a good thing, guys, boys and girls. What it is is that that means that Jesus gave his life for you. So do you see the red on your candy cane? Look at it. Do you see it? That's, that's the red for Jesus. Now, do you see the white on your candy cane? That also means for purity, okay? White can also mean for the Holy Spirit. So the candy cane was actually made... And it was red for Jesus, the blood. It was like a J. And it was also white for the purity of Christ. So Jesus gave himself for us so we could become pure in him. Amen? So that's the candy cane. And the J stands for? So if anybody ever says, look at that candy cane, you can say, well, that's a shepherd's staff. And if you turn it upside, or uh, this is probably right side up, and this is probably upside down. <laughs> so if you turn it right side up, that J is for Jesus. Let's give the kids another hand. Hallelujah. You guys can take that. You guys are going back for a little party today, so stand up on your feet. Exit off, off the stage right over there. Take your candy cane with you. And I'm going to give this sweet candy cane to my wife. Because she is a sweetie pie. Okay, I'm going to have a couple guys, if you will. Um, will you help him with that podium real quick? And we're going to put a podium up today. Let's give the kids another great big round of applause. I want to...
I want to thank um, I want to thank Jessica. Let's give her a great big round of applause, and Lori, and the other girls that have helped. Come on, guys, give him some praise in the house today. Hallelujah! It's a today's going to be a great day. Turn to somebody and say Merry Christmas. Turn to somebody else and say Merry Christmas. I'm telling you, we are excited about what God is doing. Uh, how many of you like chili? We, we, uh, we, any, anybody like chili in here? Come on, anybody? You like chili? I'm going to put my hand down, but I'm, I'm going to, we, we, we play card games and we play board games and stuff like that. And I've got Sophia to where she says, when I say winner, winner, she says, come on, somebody over here. No, winner, winner. Okay. So now we got a winner, winner, chili dinner. Okay. So winner, winner, chili dinner. There we go. It's, it's really great because she, she is really good at that because Josiah usually beats me every time we play Go Fish. And, and uh, she's, he's all the time, she said, winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> so we're going to have a chili dinner. Today, I want to, Mike, if you want to, I want to start off. I want to play that video that we played from last week. But I, wanna, I wanna, do want to go through a couple things with you real quick, let you know that right after our gathering this morning, we're going to dismiss and we're going to go back to the fellowship hall and we're going to um, have some time. If you're here and you said, I didn't bring anything, I didn't bring any chili, we want you. We want you, okay? We want you to be able to come because I believe that we'll be able to pray and God will multiply the food, Amen. But you don't have to worry about that. You are invited. Turn to somebody next to you and say you're invited. Tell somebody else that you're invited. So I kind of threw a, a Mike a curveball today. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew while he's getting that video ready to go. And I want to talk a little bit today about the gift that changes everything. Are you ready to go? Let's check this video out first. That's why we're doing this, and it can change 
everything. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the gift that you sent to us. The gift that can change everything in our lives. That today I'm asking you to open up our ears, open up our eyes. But most importantly, Father, I'm asking you to open our hearts to receive this incredible, amazing gift in Jesus. Father, today, give us strength, give us courage. Let us make others' lives different. Let us be the hands and the feet of you, Jesus, to be able to do what needs to be done here on this earth. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. One of the wonderful things that Shelley loves to do in pastoring for 16 years that we've been here is she loves to be there when babies are born. I've seen this tremendous gift that she has, this amount, this amazing love, but it's almost like when the kids and the grandkids, your kids, your grandkids are being born, it's like Shelly just, she loves to be there, and she loves to see this incredible thing, and this thing that she loves to see is really a miracle. It's a miracle. When you see how the birth process is, it is a miracle, not just in humans, but also I see that in animals when you see cows or pigs or lambs or that you, you see them born. We received a gift over 2,000 years ago, and that was in the birth of Jesus Christ. It was the miracle of miracles. It was the greatest thing that could ever happen to us as an individual as a society, this baby was born of God. He was conceived by the Virgin Mary. And he gave, she gave birth to Jesus, who is God with us. He was now God in the flesh. The word Emmanuel means God with us. And I, I, I've talked about the incredible gift last week. And it was because of what Jesus has done that things should change in our lives. We live in an ever-changing society, an ever-changing world. And, and some of you that are even older than I am have gone to the place where they had outside toilets to computers now and the Internet and everything web-based and all sorts of stuff. We've gone from the place of having, having keyboards for typewriters, excuse me, typewriters that you would use, and now keyboards, and it's electronic. You've gone from the place of having to take cash and drive down to the grocery store and pay them cash to now you can buy things online, and a drone can come in and drop it at your front doorstep. They're experiencing that now. Things have changed so quickly, so fast. Society in itself has changed and sometimes we struggle to keep up with that and and understand that we are in changing times and the greatest change took place 
when Jesus came. I want to encourage you to read through in Luke chapters 1 and 2 and read about the story of Christ. We saw last week and talked about the prophetic word that Daniel had that he talked about that the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. A kingdom that Jesus was bringing in and that's the kingdom of God. We saw in Daniel where he talked about the father of the ancient of days, the Bible called him. And, and Jesus came up to the father and the father gave him, hmm, gave him power and authority and dominion. And we can read through and see where Jesus gave that power and authority and dominion to us. So when we think about Jesus, not only in the manger, but how do we think about him even through the course of change in our lives? Mike, I'm going to have you put up Isaiah 7, 14. It says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and will bear a son, and he will call his name Emmanuel. God with us. There was a time where it seemed like the Israelites, they were separated from God and they would go to the priest when they made mistakes and there was a, the atonement for sin for the mistakes that they've made in their lives. And it was almost like there was, everybody, a wall, a barrier between us and God. And when the Father sent the Son, that barrier was removed. That curtain was rend, it was ripped, it was, we now have access to a loving, amazing father that we didn't have access to before, that you could only seem to get access through the, the priest in the inner court, to the, and then the priest would come into the Holy of Holies, and once a year would atone for the sin of the nation. Now, this wonderful gift that changed everything. How do you know how many of you know it changed the Jewish system itself? That when now all of a sudden they didn't have to come to a priest to ask for forgiveness, they could go directly to the Father and ask for forgiveness. That was a good place to say amen. Micah 5:2 talked about out of Bethlehem shall come forth a ruler. These were prophetic words that were coming forth a ruler over Israel that would be from the line of David. The lineage of David, Jesus was in that lineage of David. And you can read that in the scriptures also, and it talks about the lineage. You know the amazing thing? Rahab's in that lineage, and she was a prostitute. You know why that's amazing to me? was because we could say, well, she's disqualified. But how many of you know, we've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. The Word says that we've sinned and fallen short from the glory of God. And if it wasn't for His blood that Christ shed on the cross, I might, not, I might be disqualified. But it's because of what Jesus has done for me that brings me into qualification that God was not ashamed of Rahab to the point where He said, I'm going to list her in the lineage of Jesus. And we can begin to look back and go, hmm, wonder why she's in there. She wasn't all that. Sometimes we lose the meaning through life and change in our own lives 
in all that we do, that sometimes we can be, the pressure can come in and we forget about what it is that Jesus has done for us. Do you remember the video you saw just a moment? She was going to knock on the door. Maybe that was a relationship. I don't know what the video was, who was behind that door in that video. Maybe that was a relationship that she was saying, you know, I've tried to do something. I want to make this right. And then she left, and she, she took the elevator and went downstairs, went out and got on the, the, the trolley car or whatever it might have been. You can tell I haven't been on one of those. And pulled the deal to stop, turned around, went back and said, why am I doing this again? But I think things began to change in her heart and her mind that she said, wait a minute, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's not about me. I, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to ask for forgiveness again. I'm going to reconcile a relationship again. I'm going to step through this thing again. I may have fallen down, but I'm going to get back up again. And I don't know. I'm just saying in my own mind that behind that door might have been a mother, might have been a grandmother, might have been somebody that she was estranged with and the relationship was broken. And she said, all I can do is come and ask for forgiveness and give that gift. What will you do this season? Will we, will we step out and say, I want to make this right. I want to get this gift that changes everything. Matthew chapter 2, I want to read through verses 1 through 11, and there's a place I want to stop. But let's look at this. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, the Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And Herod the king heard this. He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes and people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For this is what was been written by the prophet. And he begins to quote Micah the prophet. Verse 7, And then Herod secretly called the Magi, and he determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search carefully for this child. And when you have found him, report to him, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I began to start looking at some things, and I, you, you guys may not realize, but the Christmas card mentality where the wise men are there at the manger scene is not accurate. It's not accurate. Because when you study out the scriptures, you find that when the Magi came, and Shelly and I were talking about this, now how could somebody come into Woodward and if it's just three people and they're camels, how would they come into Woodward and 
let's say the, the mayor of Woodward, wouldn't even know that they're here. So the question I'm asking is, how was Herod notified that they were here, and did they cause quite a stir? Because it may have been more than three, and it may have been more than three camels, and they were carrying a lot of stuff, and when they entered into the city, the city began to stir because they were carrying gifts from, the Bible says, the treasury, and that treasury is not just the wallet that they had in their pocket. Their treasury is their abundance of wealth that they were coming to bring in. And if you look and study the scriptures out, you'll find the word where he talks about it in verse 9 and verse 11, that, 11, that he came to the house in which Jesus was, and they says it's a child, and that Greek word is paedion. And it means not just an infant, but a small toddler. So let's just fast forward this. The shepherds come. They see the, the manger scene. They are there at the time. And then Herod sends out a decree from what? Two years and under. Why was it two years and under? Because the Magi at that time were trying to figure out. They saw the star in the east. And they traveled from the east. And the star led them. And they came into a place where... They saw Herod, and Herod says, what are you guys doing? And he tells them what they're doing here. Why are you here? What's going on? Why are you coming with this entourage? And they said, we've seen a star in the east. See, when you look at the child, the babe, the infant, it's a different Greek word, and it means infant. So we come to that place where it's like, here comes this event, if I could tell you. And they're coming in. And there's, there's two different words in the Bible, that in the New Testament, that talk about the gift. Say gift. We can look at it differently. One of them actually is the Greek word charisma. It's where we get, you know, you've heard of charismatic people. It's the word charisma. And it literally means a gratuity. It also means this. It also means a special or spiritual endowment endowment now that's different than just bringing a present there is those giftings that take place the word endowment has anybody ever heard of a fund like an endowment fund anybody got a few of you that have heard of an endowment fund it is a free gift this endowment is like a spiritual gift how many of you know you are endowed with certain natural abilities some of you can sing, and some of you can't. <laughs> some of you can do other things, and some of you can't. So there's some things that you are endowed with. So that endowment can mean a, a gift of natural ability or natural quality or even quantity. You can see it in Romans 1 where Paul says, I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you it wasn't Paul coming and saying here's a present love it was imparting a spiritual gift it was endowing something on them stirring up within them that gift that may be inside them and it says he wants to do that so they may be established in Corinthians um, 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, it talks about the spiritual gifts. Some of you that have read about those. That's not a present that he gives them. That is an endowment in which God gives them to give them special abilities and increase their natural abilities and operate in the spiritual things that God have. And that's the Greek word charisma. Say charisma. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are very charismatic. <laughs> Let me give you one scripture on this. First Timothy. Verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 14. It says, don't neglect the spiritual gift. See that word, the spiritual gift that's within you? It was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands. Let's look at that scripture again. Paul is talking to Timothy and he's saying, don't neglect this charisma, this spiritual gift that has, is within you. So Paul was actually activating this spiritual gift, and he's telling Timothy, look, there's something special in you, dude. It's good, and God has given it to you. And let's stir that thing up, and let's look at that. And that's charisma. And he says it was bestowed on you through what? Prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands. So that's a whole other teaching there of laying on of hands to stir up that prophetic gift. Speaking of which, next slide, Mike, if you will. Wednesday night, New Year's Eve, we're going to have a prophetic night here. And we're going to have worship, and we're going to hear what the Lord is saying, and we're asking you to release the prophetic words. We want you to be part of that. It's going to be cool. We're going to have a super time. This Wednesday night, we're not going to gather, but the Wednesday night after, New Year's Eve, we'll go from 6.30 till about 8, and we want you to come and be part of that. And we're going to experience that 1 Timothy 4.14. So some of you that flow prophetically may not even know that you flow prophetically. Come and be part of that prophetic gathering that we're going to have on, on that night. The next, gift, the next word for gift, the second word that we'll talk about in the New Testament for gift is doria. That is like a present. That is a gratuity. Excuse me. That is a present. That is a sacrifice. How many of you have made a gift of sacrifice? I think about when you tithe and when you give offerings. You make a sacrifice to give that gift. Come on, somebody. Because you could have gone and, and bought something for yourself. You just said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor you, God, and what you're doing. I'm going to make this sacrifice. We ourselves are a living sacrifice. We are a gift. Say gift. So there's two of them, charisma and doria. There, there's different words that come from that you can look back, those root words. And it literally means a gift or offering. That's what I want to talk about just for a few minutes. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Let's take a look at that real quickly. The, the Magi says, it says, After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. They worshipped him. You know, when I picture, here's Jesus just barely walking, and they come in and they see Mary and they see the child I want you to know that we are about to see one of the greatest gifts. Did you know that Jesus received a great gift? We are getting ready to see one of the greatest gifts that Mary and Joseph has ever received. Not just Jesus, but a greater gift. Let's look at this. They worshipped him. Then they opened their treasuries and they presented to him gifts 
of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's the, here's the situation. They come, they see the star in the east, they come to Jesus' house, they come to where Mary and Joseph are living with Jesus, and they begin to worship him. What is it that you would give a king, a king that you knew was going to grow up and be the king of kings and the Lord of lords? What is it if we, had, if we took a, a, a two-year-old child and said, this is going to be the next president of the United States, would you just give him a box of cinnamon? Doesn't that make sense? That king could grow up, will grow up, and he will rule over everything. You want to be able to bring your best to him. And I'm here to tell you, there has been some Jewish scholars that have studied the amount of money that was given to Jesus at that time, and at that day and age, it was multiplied millions of dollars. I was joking with Shelly. I said, well, you know, they took a plane to Egypt. She was like, they didn't take no plane. I said, yeah, Pontius was the pilot. <laughs> it's okay. She's like, oh, my goodness, Eric. I said, I'm telling that tomorrow. They don't need to tell that tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going I'm to tell you guys. This was a gift that was given. Let's look at a couple things real quickly. Number one, they gave him gold. Everybody say gold. They gave him gold. What does gold represent? Gold represents wealthies, wealth, wealthy, wealth. <laughs> gold represents riches. I was trying to get wealthies and riches together. I almost did it too. I might come up with a new word. Gold also means power. Gold also means king. Gold also can mean purity because you know... There's the dross that's pulled out of the gold when it's refined. Gold can mean noble purposes. So here they are. They're opening their treasuries. They're coming. Are y'all getting this? This is something. Do what? Oh, I'm sorry. This is something that you can look up for yourself. When, 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 when they came, they, they brought him gold. And they probably just didn't bring him a little gold ring. Here you go, baby Jesus. Here's a gold ring. I'm thinking them camels, them were pack camels. Them camels weren't carrying a couple boxes of cinnamon and a little bit of gold dust and a little bottle of incense. Come on, somebody. Why would they have the camels? So let's take a look at this real quickly. What about frankincense? Anybody know what frankincense is? It's really about the incense. It comes from a, a gum from a tree. Also, myrrh comes from a gum from a tree, but one of them's dried and one of them is not. So frankincense can mean and represent God. Did you know that incense can mean worship? Remember, when we come together and we worship, it's a sweet-smelling aroma, an incense that arises to the heavens, and he smells that. Frank, frankincense can mean fragrance. So what about myrrh? What about myrrh? I've read a lot of stuff about it. It literally can be an, an anointing oil. It can be like a holy oil. It can be a perfume. Myrrh is actually can be used for beauty treatments, ladies. Now here's the, the hook. 
Myrrh also at this time was used for those that died. They were anointed with myrrh. Could it be that prophetically God was saying, this is the one to die. This is the Messiah. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What an amazing thing. Did you know they were able to, this was, they, they came to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph before they went to Egypt. God was providing for them for the rest of their life right here. It's not talked about. Some people don't want to talk about it. But that's the truth in the word. When you begin to look at it, do you still picture Jesus as a babe in the manger? Is that where you're at? And sometimes we are. We, we just like, oh, it's, it's a wonderful babe in a manger. It's a baby. <laughs> I was thinking about just in the, that one movie, they were like, baby Jesus, baby Jesus, baby Jesus, baby Jesus. We were on a ski trip. We were talking about baby Jesus, you know, as baby Jesus. Some people just are stuck at baby Jesus. Do you still picture him in the manger or do you picture him as Lord? So today, who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? Isaiah and Matthew, they call him Emmanuel. God with us. Mark called him the son of God. Luke's shepherds knew him as a savior and Christ the Lord. Right? We read that already. They knew him as savior and Christ the Lord. Who is Jesus to you? Is he just the one that's still the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger? Or is he the one that grew up and grew in, in, in strength and stature and matured and, and he grew in favor with God and man? And he's the one that gave his life and shed it on the cross at Calvary, shed his blood for us. And he, and he, and he went into the depths of hell and he rose into the, to the heavens of the Father. Is that the one that you're saying, wait a minute, that's the Jesus I know. And maybe you still see Jesus on the cross, at the cross. And maybe you don't know that he got off the cross and he made redemption for us. He made a way where there was no way. He brought us out of Lodabar and put us into the place of honor. He brought it and paid the sin for the, for the Adam had committed that we've committed past, present, and future. Maybe you don't see Jesus that way. Maybe you just still see him on the cross, but he came down off the cross and he came to the place where he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding right now for Pastor Eric and Living Word Fellowship and Woodward, Oklahoma and the United States states of Oklahoma and this world he's praying and interceding for you today and maybe we don't know that he's the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings and if he's the King of Kings and I'm in him then that makes me a king and he's my king hallelujah John introduces Jesus as the word who made the world John introduces Jesus as the life, the light, the glory of God, the one of truth and grace. John introduces Jesus as the water of life, the bread of life, the door. He introduces Jesus as the good shepherd, not the bad shepherd. He introduces Jesus as the resurrection and the life.
John introduces Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. There isn't another way to get there. No matter what you want to think or believe, John introduces this Jesus as that. Paul addresses him as Lord. These are guys that walked with him. Well, Paul met him on the road to Damascus. Hebrews cast Jesus as the role of the priest, the great high priest. The Gospels heard the message of the Son of Man, the good news of who Christ is, that he was humbled, that he was suffered, and that he died, and that he rose again on the third day. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming again. Come on, somebody. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's who he is. Who is he to you today? Don't underestimate who Jesus is. I was at a function and the guy said, all I know is that time is about Jesus. They set the calendar for Jesus. I need to find out who this Jesus is, if he's that important. Will you stand to your feet with me tonight, today? I want to expand and enlarge your vision of who he is. I want to challenge you to get to know him better. He longs to get to know you better. I don't know who we're fooling, but he knows everything about me. He knows the issues that I struggle with. He knows the hair that I lost. He knows everything about me. There's, there's things that you may not know about you about me that my wife may know and there's still things that my wife doesn't even know about me that Jesus knows get to know him better make a difference this season make a difference in your life I want to challenge you I want you to know that he loves you and that he cares for you I want you to know that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting eternal life with the Father. That's it. Pastor Eric, will he forgive me? Yes. How will he forgive me when my Aunt Martha doesn't? He's Jesus. How does he understand when my wife doesn't understand? He's Jesus. How does he not struggle when my friends around me struggle to love me unconditionally? He's Jesus. He's Jesus. I want to pray for you, and then after we pray, we're going to dismiss and have some chili. Remember winter, winter, chili dinner? You have a winner today, and his name is Jesus. Victorious, courageous, so courageous that he gave his life to pay for that atonement for sin from the very beginning in the garden, once and for all. And will you walk in that freedom that he's paid for?
I am. Doesn't give me the license to do whatever I want to do because I know as my relationship is closer with God, we've been talking about the presence of God. The more I'm present with God, the more I release His presence within me and allow the Holy Spirit to do what He's going to do. Those things will fall by the wayside. And I'll look back at regret and unforgiveness and bitterness, shame and guilt, and it'll be behind me, not in front of me. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? I don't want to know about him. I want to know him. And I want to pray for you to have a greater encounter, a deeper relationship. Will you join me to do that? Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you that by your Spirit, you're wooing us. You're bringing us. You're teaching us. You're comforting us. Have your way. Have your way in our hearts today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, just say, come into my heart, Lord. I give you my life. When I was 20, I gave him my heart. When I was 24, I gave him my life. Some of you may have given him your heart. I'm challenging you to go ahead and give him the rest of your life. Your future is bright. There's good days ahead. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So, Father, I bless your people here today. I thank you that they go and make a difference in the lives, that they impact and influence. Let them be you in the workplace. Let them be you in the play place. Let them be you in every area that they go. I thank you that you shift our thinking. I repent, God, for just keeping Jesus as baby Jesus. Nice, cute little babe without realizing what he's done for me. So, Father, bless our time here today. The upcoming days, let it be focused. Let us keep our eyes on you. Give your people encounters of your love in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's give him some praise today. Hallelujah. 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 I want to, before we go, I want to just pray. We're going to pray over the food today. Just lift your hands towards the altar. Father, we just bless this food today. We bless those that have prepared it. Those, Lord, we ask you to help our tummies. <laughs> we ask you, Lord God, that, that you'll just bless our time together. Let it be rich and full in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a, have a wonderful afternoon. Hope to see you in the fellowship hall. Love to talk to you soon.